welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. episode 71 of the Proper Mental Podcast and my guest this week is Johnny Benjamin who is an award-winning mental health campaigner, speaker and author. He is also the CEO of Beyond, a young person's charity that raises money and gives out grants to help other organisations and schools that are underfunded or underutilised. Johnny has an incredible story. At the age of 20 he ran away from hospital to Waterloo Bridge with every intention of jumping off and a stranger stopped to talk to him and ultimately saved his life. And six years later, Johnny launched a campaign to find the stranger and they were reunited after 319 million people around the world got behind the cause. And since then, Johnny has become one of the most influential activists in the mental health space. And in 2017, he was awarded an MBE for all the work that he does. There's a really cool documentary about Johnny's story. It's called Stranger of the Bridge. It's on all four and I've put the link in the episode notes. He's also written a book um, also called Stranger on the Bridge. And that's really good as well. And I'm sure you can get that in all your usual bookshop type places. But because his story is, it's incredible, it's inspiring, but it's also very well documented. And to get a chance to chat to Johnny, who has been like leading the way in the mental health conversation for the best part of a decade, it just seemed like a bit of a waste to just talk about the past. I don't think I can do a better job than the documentary or his book, you know, so you might as well just go and watch them to get the backstory. I thought it would be more important to to focus on on the now and on the future and on all the wonderful things that Johnny has done since then. So that's exactly what we do. We talk about Beyond, the charity that he's a CEO of, and we talk about the incredible work that they do. We talk about the youth board. There's a group of young people that kind of drive the charity. Um, And that's fascinating to hear all about. We talk about the mental health festival that they put on earlier this year. And we talk about things like acceptance and compassion and hope. And it's really, really lovely. It was a real pleasure to, uh, to chat to Johnny. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. One thing we talk about quite a lot is his new book. It's out about now in paperback, I believe. It's called The Book of Hope. And it's 101 essays about hope and recovery. And some of the people that have contributed this are absolutely incredible. You know, there's, there's musicians and athletes and activists, campaigners, actors, you name it. It's so diverse and it's wonderful. I bought it last year when the hardback came out and um, I dip into it regularly. I really, really love it. Yeah, I find it inspiring and I find it very comforting. There's loads of people that contributed that have been on the podcast. So if that's of interest to you, you could go back to last week and check out Juliet Burton. Or you could go back a few weeks and check out um, Hope Virgo, Frank Turner, Shocker, uh, Dick Moore's been on, um, Natasha Devon's been on. I've also got upcoming episodes with Gail Porter, that'll be out in the next few weeks, and Satvir Nijar as well. And they both contributed to the book. Yeah, and it's just wonderful. And Johnny and I chat about the process of, of putting this together and, you know, why it was important to do and the thought behind it. And what it was like to kind of read all these amazing essays as they drip fed back to him as he was putting it all together. And it's just really, really lovely. If you want to know more about Johnny's charity work, you can go to wearebeyond.org.uk. 
And you can find out more about Johnny and his, his campaigning and his speaking and all that side of his work at johnnybenjamin.co.uk. Both of those will have the links to all the social media stuff on there. You know where to find me by now, propermentalpodcast.com. Send me an email through the website or at propermentalpodcast on all social media platforms. And as ever, if you could take two minutes to leave this episode or any of the others you listen to a lovely review on iTunes, it would be very much appreciated. That being said, this is episode 71 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Johnny Benjamin MBE. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Johnny Benjamin. How are you, mate? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me. I really, um, really appreciate it. I made up we could, we've made this happen. It seems that you've got um, yeah. a lot on at the moment, Johnny. Seems like busy, busy times as usual for you. Yeah. Busy, <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Yeah. But all, all good. All good. I can't yeah. complain. I, can't uh, complain I think, really. I always think about the, you know the the busyness around a mental health conversation and it's almost like a double-edged sword right because it's great that you're busy because if you're busy you're out there you're helping people you're making a difference you're doing things that matter but um it is a double-edged sword because if you're busy it's also because there's a need for what you do which is you know the the downside of being busy right yeah and now more than ever because of you know the pandemic um I'm, I'm, and what's going on in the world at the moment people are uh you know i've been i've been working in mental health for 10 years almost 10 years and i've never known um things to be this bad to be honest this is quite that sounds quite negative but it's true it's uh really difficult times for people really hard yeah definitely and you know it's important to acknowledge that as well right so there's no point in pretending that that's not the case um you know we have to kind of i suppose play with the hand that we're currently being dealt right and do the, mm-hmm. do the best we can yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah i suppose that kind of leads us in quite quite nicely to the work that you do with beyond um would mm. you could we start there and maybe tell me a little bit about about what you guys do yeah so we we set up in um 2018 as a charity and um essentially as a, a grant giving uh charity because you know we all know about the funding situation in in mental health particularly youth mental health um so we said well we need to put the money back into the services the support um you know i'm not going to get too political but there's been a lot of cuts to services over the last decade uh particularly again mental health services um so anyway yeah we set up in 2018 um and started giving out grants to um particularly maybe smaller local mental health uh, organizations and then actually directly into schools we've been giving grants because um again schools colleges they've suffered so much through the pandemic and the lockdowns and you know uh we're seeing just horrendous things like you know increases in self-harm increases in you know suicide attempts in in schools colleges universities um and no one knows what to do so yeah we're giving money directly to bring in things like psychologists or um uh, art therapists drama therapists we've had a lot of success with recently um mental first aid training um but and it's great but you know um there's just this desperate need at the moment and um 
yeah, we, we try and do what we can, but you know, we're, we're not, we're not mind. So, um, uh, we, we can only do so much, but we are, a, we're a strong team. We've got an amazing youth board. Um, the, the, the amazing group of young people that are the heart and soul of the charity and they are what really make beyond, I'd say. Yeah, sure. That's um, in very big letters on my notes to ask you about the youth board, mate, yeah. because when I've had a, a nose through on, on your website, um, it's an incredible, um, incredible bunch, you know, and um, what, what was the idea of, of bringing in this, this team of young people to kind of um, drive the charity? Well, you know, we set the charity up with a board, you know, quite a big board of like adults or grown-ups. And um, to be frank, it, it, it wasn't working. Um, it was just, I don't know, we'd sit around the board, the board table and um, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it was moving forwards. And, and my thing was always, let's, let's bring young people in because young people, they're not listened to enough. And particularly when it comes to mental health, again, they're just not listened to enough. So, yeah, um, just before the pandemic started, we uh, brought together this group of young people that I guess I'd met over the years on social media or at events and so yeah all young people in different stages of you know youth uh teens 20s early 30s and just all young people united by lived experience with a passion for making change and um yeah we we said let's form this this kind of youth board that um Again, we, we consult them about everything. Um, we work uh, in, in partnership with them. Any projects we do, um, they are—they really are the the yeah the the soul of the the charity. Um, and it's great because um, we get—I don't know. Again, we've got the, we have obviously all charities have to have a you know an, an actual board of trustees. But um, yeah, we cut down the board of trustees. We've only got a few now. Um, and it's our youth board that I guess essentially make most of the decisions, which is is great. It's really great. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I often feel with, I mean, with young people in particular, but I suppose it could be true of any um, community or demographic of society that, um, yeah, people make decisions on their behalf and I think from young people when you're young like even someone who's like in their 20s is ancient right so if you've got someone who you consider to be old speaking yeah. for you that you're not going to engage with that you're not going to yeah. care and how do we know you have to meet these people where where they are at and say there's something so empowering about saying to someone what do you need and how do we go out and mm-hmm. get it and I just mm-hmm. love that. I think that's just, um, I mean, you know, with the risk of getting too cheesy, that's how we change the world, right? You know, like, yeah. And young people today, I think when I was at school, I don't know, when I was at school, I don't know about you, but when I was at school, there wasn't sort of any activism. Um, now, you know, young people, whether it be climate, you know, young people are leading the way with climate change. Um, in terms of things like LGBTQ plus rights, um, yeah, all sorts, all sorts of things. The mental health, the young people are, are leading the way like never before. I feel again, there, there just was nothing like that when I was at school. But when I go into schools now, yeah, I feel like young people are much more switched on. They're much more engaged. They want to make a difference. They're campaigning. It's amazing. It's, yeah, I feel very. I know you know it's a difficult. It's a difficult time at the moment with the world. But um, I feel very hopeful about the next generation and what they're going to do. 
for the world. I really, yeah, I feel really positive about that. Yeah, definitely. Very, very much so. It's inspiring. And I, I think, you know, as a, as a grown up, which is a mm-hmm. strange way to describe myself, but mm. um, I think, and I'm guilty of this, but we can often be quite patronizing about young people, right? Mm. So, and, yeah. But we, and we say things like, you know, oh, it must be so hard growing up these days because of social media and because of this and mm. because of that. And that is true, but it's mm. also their reality. Like they don't need us to tell them the challenges of it. And mm. because they've grown up with it, they know about these challenges, you know, mm. and like they, they know more than us. You know, we've had to yeah, learn how to talk about mental health, right? We mm. had to learn the skills, but, mm. you know, if they can be supported to talk about these things now, then, you know, the vision of the future is it's nice. It just sounds nice, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful. Um, you know, again, when I go into school, it's... Um, I don't know, young people are so much more open. Like, you know, young people will come up to me and say, um, oh, I've had, yeah, I've had experience of depression, anxiety. I'm bisexual. Um, I'm not sure of my kind of identity at the moment. I just, oh my gosh, it's it's a different world. Um, and, uh, well, you, you've got kids, right? I don't know if yeah. you're, you find... I mean, mine are, yeah, mine are, mine are younger. So we're not uh, quite, okay. we're not quite there, there, there yet, okay. you know, but, yeah. um, you know, even now the stuff like my son just started school last year, he's in his second year of primary school. And, um, some of the things that he comes home talking about, you know, they did little talk on, um, children's mental health week, and, mm. you know, things like that. And you think Great. like, that's, that's, it's just lovely, isn't it? You know, cause yeah, it didn't, um, it didn't exist, right. It didn't exist. No. Didn't exist at all. Yeah. Progress, yeah, for sure. Um, that actually makes me think of the, the festival that you did back in, um, uh, February where did the idea of that come from mate because that was incredible yeah so that was I can't take any credit for that that was um the CEO of our charity beyond um Louisa she's she's just the most amazing individual she um she came up with this concept before the pandemic actually she was going to do a in-person festival for um uh young children in terms of well-being you know like yoga mindfulness art creativity pandemic came and hit and stopped everything of course so she said well let's um make an online festival and so this was during the first lockdown um and everything was online you know literally everything was over yeah like zoom um and so yeah we decided well yeah let's make this festival for schools for colleges um we'll do a series of like different events you know again a range of different things that people can tune into we'll do something for teachers at the end of the school day we'll do something for parents in the evening um and yeah we managed to get the first one we did uh in 2021 we had just over 1200 schools and colleges which was great and then the next one we did in yeah 2022 um during children's mental health week and we had um just over 1400 schools and colleges tune in which was great um yeah, really, 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 really positive. Particularly, I think, you know, I mentioned about teachers and, and parents. I think they really benefited from, because, um, I mean, you know, we don't talk enough about teachers' mental health or, or parents' mental health, to be honest, and particularly given the last, you know, couple of years with the pandemic and the lockdowns and homeschooling. So they really appreciated, um, you know, having some time to look after their own mental health. I think that was really important. It was really great. Yeah, that's a lovely idea to kind of, um, you know, if we're looking at school, then yeah, surely we've got to look at everyone involved in that, that mm. school, because that's a collective environment, right? And it's sure. that environment that's going to make all the, um, 
all the difference yeah yeah i, I was yep. pretty i um follow you guys on social media and um i was particularly taken by the bus what was going on on the on the bus that was amazing oh, oh my gosh yeah it was it was actually really incredible this this old american school bus um that's been completely you know converted in, in, internally into this sort of zen den as they call it so it's run by the zen project and we just uh well louisa came across them uh, on social media and um we just said we have to work with you because um it just it's so cool so they yeah they drive around they visit schools they visit companies as well not just schools but schools universities um communities they do a lot of work with the homeless community um and it's just about giving people um you know they invite people into this bus into the zen den and it's about letting people switch off for a bit and um it was great so i went on the festival day we went around on the school bus in schools in london and you know from little you know young people in primary school to older teenagers and everyone just seemed to get something from it and it was really it was really lovely actually really lovely they do um you know things like um gong gong baths and um yeah breathing kind of relaxing breathing techniques and um yeah it was it was great and um we're big fans of, of the bus it's basically traveling all around at the moment it's going to festivals this summer and um yeah they're, they're trying to get actually get another school bus because uh, i've only got one so they're trying to get another one set up it's it's such a brilliant concept and you know obviously everyone because it's this old yellow american school bus everyone kind of takes pictures on the streets and it's really kind of um uh it really captures people's uh, attention and um yeah we're big we're big we're big fans of school bus yeah yeah look, it's so cool and i love the idea of um like a lot of these practices that are really good for us, you know, you mentioned breathing exercises or whether it's meditation or any of these things, you know, a lot of people just don't kind of know that they're out there. Right. And I think when you know about them, you get used to talking about them with other people who know about them and you kind of forget that people don't. So it's a lovely yeah. idea to, to bring that to other people and say, come on, have a go at this, you know? Oh, and that's the, great. So the, cool. Yeah. The proof's in the pudding that way, I suppose. Yeah. No, no, no. It's um, hundred percent positive feedback from everyone that went on the bus. Um, yeah, all the kids especially just, they didn't want to go back to classes. They just wanted to stay on the bus. That's what they all said. I don't blame them. It was amazing. Yeah. Is that going to be like an annual thing for the uh, for the festival anyway, or is that something you'll be doing again? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we're, we're working with them going to like Latitude Festival in the summer. And um, uh, yeah, no, we're doing lots of different stuff going forwards with, with the bus. Um, and in terms of the festival, it's going to be yeah, an ongoing thing um for sure but you know you know we're very much focused on um this isn't just a one-day thing this is an ongoing thing um so we, we've got lots of stuff coming up to schools colleges universities kind of throughout the year not just mental health wednesday or week or you know it has to be a constant thing as we all know yeah sure yeah and i know that with your with yourself johnny that um your experiences with mental health started at quite a young age and does that inform your passion for working with young people oh yeah definitely 100 percent. because it was it was really difficult um you know growing up um especially you know i come from um a jewish community jewish home and uh went to a jewish religious school and there was a lot of um kind of shame uh, for me, uh, you know, I was struggling with my mental health, with my sexuality, and these were all big taboos. And um, 
yeah it was it was really tough and yeah absolutely kind of feeds into the work that I do now um I go back to my old school quite regularly and you know talk to students and um I don't know thing, um, things are getting a bit better but you know particularly with the boys I still feel that yeah there's, there's a long there's a long way to go um but we'll get there we'll get there we just we need to again it needs to be a constant a constant thing not just um oh let's just do an assembly once a year or once a term it has to be a yeah a constant feature within schools colleges universities and we're not there just just yet for sure yeah i think it you know as a, as a like a wider society we're just starting to become like aware of all the um you know you, you talk about with the boys there in this like patriarchal society and how like it doesn't serve men either right so at the moment they're because that's a relatively new conversation. There's a lot of, um, and quite rightly so, but there's a lot of rage and there's a lot of anger. And I think once that, once that settles down, then um, we're going to find a lot better ways to like access people and talk to this people. You know, um, I spoke to a guy, I don't know if you know, Chris Hemmings, who does a lot of work yeah. around empathy. So I've had Chris on mm-hmm. and he used to say, um, don't call people out, call people in. And that like, that mm-hmm. really kind of like sat with me. I thought, yeah, that's a, a good way to do it you know so let's yeah. let's let's tell people how to let's show people and tell people how to talk about these things and how to do things differently rather than just like waiting for opportunities to kind of shout at them when they get it wrong you know 100 percent, 100 yeah and there are opportunities all the time you know um it doesn't have to be a dedicated space or a dedicated time you know it's um yeah it, it it's again you know obviously we've got mental health awareness week coming up may mental awareness month and obviously there's going to be so much talk about mental health and but you know everyone in the mental health sort of space always says well you know it's it's great but what about when mental health awareness week ends it's still ongoing for people so you know we have to keep the conversation going uh, people have to be available at all times not just during one particular day week so um yeah again i think it's shifting people's mindsets i think yeah um, yeah i mean you mentioned before that you've been kind of in this you've been um you know on the front line i suppose of this of this stuff for about 10 years how what sort of changes have you seen over that that time mate it's um it must be it must have been a very different landscape when you first started um doing campaigning and activism and stuff Oh, wow. Yeah. So different. Just even in like the last three, four years, it's just so, so different. Um, yeah, particularly, I think, you know, for me, I started talking about, um, you know, my diagnosis is schizoaffective disorder. Um, it's like, you know, I've had psychosis and I don't know when I started talking, there just there really wasn't anyone, well, there wasn't many people talking about schizophrenia, psychosis. Um, Whereas that there's been a definite shift, uh, although you know I still feel that we've still got a way to go with particularly psychosis, schizophrenia. But yeah, definitely there's particularly again young people are speaking out on social media about like psychosis, schizophrenia, um, like never before. It's amazing, um, and just there's just so much more openness and um, frankness and honesty and um, yeah, it's it really. I mean it shifted really quickly i guess maybe the pandemic has um forced uh things to speed up in terms of mental health awareness and the conversation around mental health um 
which is kind of good, I suppose, you know. Um, obviously wish that the pandemic hadn't have happened, of course. But, you know, if there's anything, any good that's come from it, it's that people, mental health is definitely more on people's radar. Um, so, yeah, I do feel that, I do feel that we've moved forward a lot. We still got, again, I keep on saying, we've got, we got a way to go. But, and you know, compared to a lot of other places around the world, we're actually, we're, we're you know, a bit further ahead, um, actually. We've got, yeah, there's lots of changes still to make here in the UK, but, um, you know, other countries, maybe, you know, went to India for a bit and gosh, wow, like they haven't even started their journey. So yeah, we should be really pleased that we are moving forwards, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That sea of change is um is a very a very hopeful thing. Yeah, it's something that I'm really um, conscious of is like the the mental health um, echo chamber. You know, so like the, one of the reasons I started this podcast is because of my own experience with mental mm. health. And um, when I was poorly, I did not know this stuff existed. You know, mm. and some of the people that I've talked to on this podcast, some of the amazing organisations, mm. I've never heard of them. I did, mm. I did. It wasn't on my radar. And I've become very used to talking to these people and talking about these things. And I'm, I'm always thinking, how can I get in the ears of me five years ago? Right. Because mm. it's very easy for me to, you know, I could put a post up today saying, Oh, I've just had Johnny on my podcast. And everyone will be like, Oh, that's amazing. We love Johnny. But it's just loads of people who are used to talking about mental health, talking to each other about mental health. And it's just this, this chamber. Right. And I think the challenge is, is, breaking out of it because it's easy to forget that there are a lot of places where this conversation isn't being had or, or heard yeah 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 100% I think um I guess for me because I've done a lot of work in the Jewish community where, where I'm from um I'm always reminded of that because you know um particularly like the orthodox community the Jewish orthodox Jewish community um well here in London even um we still haven't broken through. We, we can't yet break through into that sort of space because, you know, um, they're very guarded and closed. And, um, you know, some of, the, some of the Jewish community, yeah, we've managed to get through to, but there's still, like, yeah, a big chunk of the Jewish community that just just not ready yet to have that conversation. It's still a taboo. And so, yeah, it, it keeps me... Um, yeah kind of uh because otherwise it is easy to get lost in this mental health bubble particularly you know working in a mental health charity uh, we talk about mental health all the time um as colleagues as friends um and so it's easy to forget that there's this whole other world out there that just yeah still won't have that conversation but again doing that work in the jewish community it keeps me um keeps me on my toes i think when it comes to as you said the echo chamber yeah. And it, it's always nice, isn't it, to focus on things that are close to home, you know, and I think, we, like you say, with Mental Health Week coming up, it's very easy to, you know, put out a post and say like, oh, it's Mental Health Week. And mm. um, we're always looking at social media. We're always looking at this big picture, but you can make so much difference focusing on what's close to home, you know, focusing on your own community, on the people in your street or your pub mm. or wherever it is that people congregate, you know, that's where I feel that we can make such changes forget about the big picture for now you know just affect who you can affect within your small you know sphere of influence yeah or even just you know friends family i mean i've still got you know particularly male friends that still you know particularly again during the pandemic i've been worried about and still find it really difficult to to talk and to open up and 
um, will shut themselves up, particularly the men will shut themselves away and retreat. And, um, you know, I, I know from my own experience, it takes time for the walls to come down. So um, just, you know, having to keep checking in on them and like keep, keep checking in on them. And um, yeah, some of them just still aren't there yet, still aren't ready to have that conversation. So um, it could be a cousin, it could be a yeah friend, it could be a neighbour, but yeah, keeping it close to home is really important, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I kind of what you said about keep checking in. I once heard that described as aggressive kindness. And I really Ooh. liked that. It was like, like be kind yeah. and then be kinder and then keep being kind. Yeah. And, then, and then really like bang that kind drum for all it's worth rather than just being yeah. a bit kind and moving on. And there was something oh, about like that. that. Yeah. That contrast. Might steal that. <laughs> oh, mate, I got that. I'll tell you who I got that from. It um, It was a guy called Mick Coyle, who's a, a local ah, yeah. journalist who does like Mental Health Monday Coyle, and stuff. Yeah. yeah that came yeah, yeah. From, from Mick. That was a. Yeah. Uh, that was a favorite of mine. I'm going to use that. <laughs> but you know, when, like we ha- when we have these conversations and, you know, we can make these, these like little small changes around us, um, it does make us feel, feel hopeful. And it's a, a word I've heard you say already a couple of times during this, um, during our chat so far. And I'm, I'm going to obviously your story, Johnny, it famously takes you to Waterloo Bridge, you know, when you felt like your life wasn't worth continuing with. And is yeah. it safe to say that that was an absence of hope? that um that kind of led you there oh yeah a hundred percent yeah literally literally hopeless you know i i was 20 and i was um really ill and i was given this diagnosis of you know schizoaffective disorder i was in hospital um yeah no hope whatsoever no no um future i didn't see a future um it was just total bleakness and um yeah obviously luckily very luckily I was stopped um, by a stranger on the bridge and um yeah there was just his whole energy and um just demeanor was like really um calm and really grounded and really positive and um it kind of uh sort of rubbed off on me that his his um the way that he was he, he is is just such a positive person and um it took time but yeah there was something about that his his nature that sort of I don't know managed to kind of get through to me a bit and stop me from you know jumping so yeah um the power of sort of the power of hope and power of positivity um I know it's a cliche but I really think it's powerful yeah definitely i mean most cliches are cliches for a reason right it's because they're because <laughs> yeah. they're true yeah yeah it's much true. So. It's true. yeah it's true and was it was it thinking about about hope and the need for hope and it, it, it hope is so important when you're not doing very well is that what kind of inspired the the structure to your to your book to your your book of hope yeah um because you know, as I said, I've been working in the space for about ten years, and I've met, I've met a lot of people that are hopeless, and it's really, it's really sad, you know, when you meet people who, particularly young people, that say, "I've given up, I've tried everything, and um, you know, what's the point? And I'm never going to get better." And it's yeah, it's really, it's really tough when you when you hear that. Again, particularly from like a teenager that's, that's given up on life um, already. And so, um, 
yeah, I guess, again, through all the work that I've done through meeting amazing, as you have, meeting amazing individuals in the space that have overcome, that have uh, found hope again. Um, I just, I wanted to put that all together in one place in a book and uh, people share their stories and yeah, essentially inspire other people that are struggling, that cannot find hope. Um, again, particularly during this time, I keep on saying it, but the last couple of years, it's just, I've just been so difficult, um, so difficult for people. And it's, it's ongoing, you know, with everything in the world, it's, it's, it's ongoing, unfortunately, this hopelessness. So, <clears throat> yeah, if this book can just help one person and inspire them, and it's worth it, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we all hear these um, stories, these really hopeful stories from time to time, and we kind of go, oh, what an amazing story. And then mm. you don't always remember it when you need it. You know, sometimes it's almost a bit fleeting. We're inspired in the moment, and then it's gone. So the idea of having them in one one you know just there for you to dig dig in and out of is um is really lovely uh, mm. were there people that um have contributed were did you know all of them or were there some people that you kind of um you know tracked down specifically or how did you collect because it's a and really impressive there's 101 of them right yeah 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 no i it's all people that i've met over the over the time that i've been working in, in mental health i wish i would have known you before <laughs> before otherwise i would have asked you um yeah i know all people that i've, I've met over the years that i've been inspired by um that I, you know i've heard their stories and um yeah they told me how they've overcome adversity and uh I, I was just amazed that people said yes you know because obviously people are busy and um but everyone just came back and said no no we want to we want to share our story and yeah use our voice to help other people so you know really lucky to have all these people write something and you know hopefully give other people hope yeah sure i mean that must have been a lovely thing for you as these um as these essays started to mm. sort of drip feed back to hq to kind of like read mm. through them and just um mm. yeah just uh, that i bet that was quite humbling i suppose yeah just uh, i see you see i was i was worried so i i, I co-wrote the book with um a, my friend colleague Britt. And um, I think we were both worried, actually, that, uh, you know, there might be similarities in every story or there might be a lot of repetition. But actually, everyone had their own unique take on overcoming adversity and finding hope. Yeah, there were common themes and, you know, but there was just something so individual about each story. And that, I think, was really, really interesting. Um so yeah, we no, we we were yeah really humbled, really really happy with you know the response that we got. Um, in fact, we did have actually too many. We had to cut down. Um, yeah, we, we had over one hundred and one, but we obviously had to limit it. Um, so that was a bit tricky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, it's a really cool thing. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed reading it. When I first got it, I read it like in a what like you would a book. I read it chapter mm. to chapter in order. Mm. And um, now I just kind of like I dip in and out. And, mm. you know, if ever I need to feel a bit inspired or a bit connected or a bit seen, then it's lovely just to you can just open it mm. right, and just fall into yeah. a, a page. And something that really jumps out to me and it's something that I suppose it's confirming my own biases here because I have said this on the podcast before, but struggling with mental ill health there's something so human about it and it is awful, but it strips away all the stuff, you know, mm. that doesn't matter. And it, it 
I don't know people who have been through it and it is obvious in that book from page to page is how, I don't know, like I just felt connected to all of them. Mm. And I don't really like, you know, obviously I don't know them, but there is that real human experience, isn't there to, to being poorly. And I think that really comes out in, um, in some of those essays that I read. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that's what we want. That's what we want. Um, Cause it can be so isolating when you're struggling with mental health, particularly, you know, with the pandemic and it's forced everyone to have to, isolate um but there is something about that shared human experience um that feels um empowering and uh yeah look i mean there's, there's you know things people in the book that maybe people won't be able to relate to um and that's fine but hopefully there's something for everyone in that book whether you you know might not relate to one chapter but the next person yeah, there'll be something that, oh, wow, yeah, I, I've been through that, or, oh, I can try that, you know? Um, so, again, hopefully everyone gets something, at least one thing from the book, if not if not more. That's that's the aim. That's the aim. Yeah, sure. Well, I can certainly say, I think, um, <laughs> I think including yourself, I think I've had nine guests out of it. So, <laughs> oh, so, cool, so you know, if nothing else, that's, that's so what cool. I've got out of Great. it. Great, fantastic. Um, but amazing. I think that's the... Um, that's amazing the the beauty of um compassion is that we can hear other people's stories and even if you haven't experienced it even if you haven't been through it the fact that you've been through something um you can be compassion compassionate towards other people's stories and that's just a really lovely um a lovely thing and um uh, that compassion word is one of my favorite words and something that i've heard you talk about before is um your use in the past i don't know if you're still using it of com- compassion focused therapy mm. is that something you still um still have mm. a, a toe in the water johnny yeah yeah for sure absolutely yeah um i've seen the same therapist for a few years now who's a cft therapist and um yeah it's really it's really helped me really helped me um you know i've had lots of different types of therapy like cbt um which you know has been useful but there's something about cft compassion focused therapy which is a bit more holistic um and uh yeah, it's, it, it has. It's, it's massively, massively, massively helped me. Um, but again, it's something that I have to practice ongoing. I can't just, you know, again, like CBT, you know, you might, you know, do the therapy, but then you have to, it is an ongoing thing, right? It's an ongoing practice. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's something that I talk about a lot because uh, it, it's helped me. It's up to a lot of people, CFT. Um, it's not widely known about still yet it's it more and more people are hearing about it it's you know parts of the nhs are using cft now in the mental health services which is great but still a lot of people it's it's quite it's quite new for them yeah sure is it kind of like um based more on like how you think and how you feel about yourself and having compassion for your you know being more accepting of yourself mm, yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah um there's a really good book that that kind of got me started in this journey called um so well, it's called self-compassion by Kristen Neff Dr Kristen Neff who is sort of like the um c- kind of like the founder of CFT compassion focused therapy and that book was um I don't know I read it a few years ago and it was really eye-opening for me uh, in terms of my relationship with myself and I was like right I need to make a change here so that that was the book that got me kind of started um and I still go back to it today it's really interesting really interesting yeah, sure. I mean, I think a lot of the, I've spoke to so many different people and I, I've spoke to 
like whether from different communities, different backgrounds, different diagnosis, you know, I try and be as, as mm. diverse as possible. And one thing I've noticed from doing this is that there's a lot of common themes that feed through and whether it's kind of negative self-talk or low self-esteem or mm. self-hatred, that's a theme and that doesn't seem to have any sort of um biases about where someone's from or what they're having to deal with but that's really common in the mental mental illness particularly conversation i think yeah it, it really is it really is and i think um you know again like doing cbt it, it's been helpful for addressing thinking patterns you know for something like cft where you focus on the relationship with yourself it's um it's really powerful it's really powerful work. I'd recommend, you know, everyone actually to explore more their relationship with their self, how they talk to themselves. Um, you know, particularly if something negative happens in their lives, um, just, you know, really, really notice what you're saying to yourself uh, and see, and you can change that. See if you can, yeah, change that negative self-talk. It can make a big difference. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. A turning point in my own um, journey was a therapy session where I was describing the the way mm. that I talked to myself and my mm. therapist, Sean, he said to me, well, you know, how would you feel if someone else, um, mm. he said, he kind of set a trap for me. I didn't realize. And he said, how, <laughs> how would you feel if someone else spoke to you like that? And I said, I'd be upset. I'd be angry. I wouldn't mm. have it. And he said, well, why mm. do you speak? you know, about yourself that way. And it's quite funny now because that is such a, like a common thing. And at the time I'd never heard it. It was like a light bulb moment that changed the game. And now I see it on like these, like, like Instagram memes all the time. Mm. It's like, it's one of those cliches. Right. But I needed to hear that in that moment. And it just, it just unlocked something for me that made a a massive difference. Amazing. I think the more self-compassion you can have for your compassion, you can have for yourself, the more you can find it for other people. Exactly. A hundred percent. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. And from um, reading in the book, reading your introduction, and you make a list of 101 things that, that give you hope. Yeah. Um, which I'm going to have a go at myself because I think that's just a uh, wonderful exercise just to kind amazing. of make that, that list. But something that jumped out for me from reading that list was how many of those things involved music for you, Johnny. Would I be right in saying that that's? like that plays a massive part in you kind of um looking after yourself yeah 100 percent. yeah for sure for sure i mean um again i think that's quite common music music the arts just the arts in general i think for people um yeah but music for me definitely 100 percent. it's um I, it's my kind of go-to i guess you know um always always has been since i was since I was young, um, younger, um, yeah, you know, um, I just know that I can turn on a, you know, specific piece of music if I'm in a certain state and that will change my mindset. I mean, um, it doesn't necessarily get me completely out of the state that I'm in, but just for a few minutes, it might help, you know, uh, take me out of the place that I'm in and I don't know. Um, so I've got a kind of positive playlist now that I, uh, you know, like I switch on whenever I'm, not in a great place but then I've also got you know the songs that will kind of um I, I basically got I feel like I've got something for every sort of state mind state that that I get into um and it's just it's always there right you know it's just always literally next to me on my phone um Spotify I can just you know just tune in just put a song on and I yeah it's um yeah, for me, it's, 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 uh, I don't know what I'd do without, 
about music for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mate, yeah, sometimes like just like a three minute tune can um mm. can get you for a day, right? It can just yeah. kind of get you for a day and that that's all you need. And um I, I really like I'm a massive like music geek and um mm. I I find it helps one of my issues is not being able to sort of access and process my emotions and mm. um, music helps me get there, you know, like mm. if I need to feel a certain thing and I, mm. I like I'm getting confused with it, you know, if I need to have yeah. a bit, if I need to shed a tear and uh, yeah. what I call a happy cry, cause I don't like to put on sad songs and have a sad cry. I've done enough sad <laughs> crying over the years, but a yeah. happy cry sometimes, um, <laughs> sometimes a good tune helps you like squeeze a tear out. Right. What's, what's uh, like, what song, what songs are that? Are, are those then? <laughs> well one of, one of my favorites right and um like it's a bit of a daft one but there should be no guilty pleasures in music but have you seen the film um captain fantastic with vigo mortensen no right well it's wonderful check it out but in the film vigo mortensen the actor and all the actors that play his family he's a family of like eight kids or something mm. they do a, a cover of sweet child of mine by guns and roses wow. and in the film, it's like the emotional centerpiece of the film. Wow. Like if, you want a, if you want to feel touched to your soul, watch that bit. And now wow. I put that song on. That for me is it's glorious. And wow. as a, a bit of a music snob, if you'd have said to me Vigo Mortensen covering Guns N' Roses was going to be one of your, uh, <laughs> of your happy songs, I probably wouldn't wow. have had it. But it's uh, it's a stunning piece of music. Wow. And, and the, the film's great too. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to as soon as this finishes, I'm gonna check that out mate go for it yeah wow okay what, that's cool what about, <laughs> expecting cool. that what, what yeah. about you johnny have you got a, a favorite what's on the um what's on the happy playlist on the positive playlist um what's on the positive playlist um I, i'm a massive fan of nina simone so um yeah you know songs like feeling good and um i wish i knew how it would feel to be free they're such uplifting such uplifting songs um they always put me into a better space headspace whenever I, I listen to songs like that so um and i'm always always looking for songs to add to that that playlist to be honest uh it's great so when i was a, when i was a teenager i had like um a playlist called the blues on my ipod um and it was all like i don't know a lot of like radio heads um and that was you know that's um, i don't know maybe Maybe it wasn't so helpful sometimes, but now I have much more of a you know, positive playlist that I try and tune into. Um, and yeah, always, always looking for songs to, to add to that. So I'm going to check out what you oh, just recommended. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Wow. Yeah. I'm a big Radiohead fan, but there definitely there's a time and a place for them, right? Yeah, yeah very much so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mate. So what have you got um, of coming up? You know, the, the paperback version of the book's coming mm, out any mm. day now, isn't it? And um, what, have, what have Beyond got going on, mate? What's, uh, is there anything in the pipeline? Yeah, yeah, we've got lots. We've got lots um, coming up. So um, we've got lots of different events, actually. If people are, are listening and they want to, you know, join an event, we've got things like um, the Climbing Kilimanjaro. Um, wow. Yeah, a couple of times, actually. One in September and one in January, next, next January anyone's interested and um we are uh we, we've got places in the london marathon we've got um like a charity golf day we've got a charity um musical evening in the west ends in june uh all, all to raise money for youth mental health so um you know if anyone is interested then please do let us know uh and we've got you know we've, we've actually got um for mental health awareness week in may we've got a whole thing around therapy you know it's, we're calling it do you speak therapy 
Um, so yeah, because obviously you've, you've mentioned therapy and um, it's all about maybe breaking down some of the misconceptions around therapy, exploring different types of therapy that's out there. Because um, I think there's still, you know, there's still a bit of a stigma attached to going to therapy for some, for some people. It's not like, you know, going to physiotherapy uh, where people just, yeah, yeah, I'm having physio, I'm having physio, you know, uh, therapy is still kind of a bit of a, oh, that person's going to therapy. Um, you know, so yeah, we got, we got a campaign around breaking down that stigma of, of therapy um, yeah. coming up. Mate, that's wonderful. And like you say, like, I think a lot of times with therapy, people don't really understand what it is, right? So there's this mm. like, you know, and I did before I went, you know, I was so reluctant to go. And mm. I used to think, oh, I'm going to have to like lie on a, a leather couch yeah. and going to ask me about my mom and, you know, like all this yeah. like, stereotypical stuff. I know. And then I know. when I went, it wasn't like that at all. Uh-huh. And I firmly, I think like people should go to therapy, whether they need it or not, to be honest. But um, that's in a whole different, whole different <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but there you go oh mate it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you today and oh, i can't you thank you enough for, you. for your time mate and um, no, yeah just you. all the best thank of everything you. you've got you've got coming up thank you thanks very much thank you yeah. i'm gonna listen to that song now <laughs> <laughs>